My sister, Lori Vallow, murdered her children, Tylee and JJ, and buried them in a pet cemetery. And we're all trying to make sense of it. So let's talk about it. Welcome. We're so excited for this um, edition of the podcast. We're going to be diving right into it in in just a second. We want to talk about our live because tomorrow, Wednesday, we're going to have our first real live broadcast at 1 o'clock Mountain Time uh, here in the United States, 1 o'clock Mountain-ish. Ish. Yep. Sean tells us it has to be ish because we're still working out some of the uh, technology involved in that. And so during this month, we are very mindful of the fact that there's the anniversary of Tylee's death, the anniversary of JJ's death. This month, we're going to talk about that on our live. What else are we talking about on the live, Adam? Um, We're going to address some of the... the, uh that uh, came through because we love to, uh, you know, talk talk to you and we like to answer the things that you you like to talk about and concerned about. By the way, uh, this is the first podcast we've done this early in the morning. I apologize for wearing the hat, but I am wearing my Raiders shirt because the Raiders won a game and they usually don't wear. So I'm excited about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to go off the rail, but uh, just giving you a detail of what's happening with me here in Phoenix, Arizona. Um but yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. The reason we're up this early is because of of a schedule of a very nice man that we're going to get to talk to here in just a second. But yeah, the live tomorrow should be great. We hope you join us. I don't know what you're going to be doing at one o'clock Mountain Time. That's noon my time. I'll be eating lunch, so hopefully I won't have lettuce in my teeth. Yeah, let's hope not on that one. We're going to be talking about possibly changing the name of the podcast, and we have a whole lot of input on that. So we'll talk about that and other topics. Please join us. We'll, we're just looking forward to that. But today we want to jump right in with our guest. Dr. Denham Slade is also author of a, of a book we're going to introduce to you. Dr. Slade is one of the few PhD-level coaches. Now, I know Dr. Denham because he's my coach. He's my wife's coach. Um, my wife went to see him before that. My wife, a medical professional here in the area, has, has um, not recommended what you do. Referred. Refer, thank you. <laughs> referred dozens of people to Dr. Slade. Uh, we respect his work so much. He's uh, helping me figure out all of this stuff that I need when I said I need counseling. Yes, yes, I do. He confirmed that. <laughs> and uh, But he has some insights that he has developed that we really want to, um, we really want everyone to hear. We're just fascinated by them. The name of the book, Sean, do you have a thumbnail of the book? The name of the book is Unlock Your Core Pot- Potential, which is available on Amazon. That's where I yep. got it. Yep. Okay. On Amazon by Dr. Denimel Slade, Ph.D. His Ph.D. is in human development and family science. He has over 25 years of clinical experience dealing with people like me. So, <laughs> you know, he's had to do a lot of work during that time. And one of the things, Denim, I wanted them to to hear from you is what you first explained the, during our first session in there. Now, I'd known him before that. We're spin buddies. We go to spin classes, same spin classes sometimes. He's my grandson's great football coach. But uh, when I got in his office and heard this, I thought, oh, my goodness, everyone should hear this. 
tell us about a little about our basic human needs and how that relates to our attachment styles. Yeah. So every single one of us has two primary needs that are non-negotiable. The, the first one is a sense of worth. And, um, and our brains assess that, that need as, do I matter? And in particular, do I matter to those to whom I should matter? And the second need is a sense of love and belonging. Every single one of us wants and needs a place where we feel like we belong, where we're safe. And our brains assess that second need as, am I safe? And again, in particular, am I safe with those with whom I should be safe? And barring some sort of um, brain injury or disability where, where your brain doesn't function typically, every single human has these two basic needs. And our brains are assessing those needs um, constantly f throughout our lives. And w when those needs are being met, we don't tend to pay very much attention to them because that's how it's supposed to be. But when, when those needs are not being met, our brains will do something to try to get those needs met. And, um, and so they are constantly in the background puppeteering, largely subconsciously, uh, what we do, what we say, how we interact, how we, uh, how we try to get those, those two primary needs met. So do I matter, basically, is how we process it, how our brain processes it. Do I matter and am I safe? Do I matter to the people I want to matter to? Is that how you said it? Should. Okay. Yeah, there, there are... Um, all relationships are not equal in our lives, right? And we don't, we don't have the same level of, um, of merit is how it's talked about in the literature, um, entitlement to have those needs met. But there are, there are primary attachment relationships in our lives where, um, where we get to be number one, where we get to matter. And, and if we don't matter in those relationships and if we don't feel safe in those relationships, it leaves us with a void that we, we have to try to figure out how to, how to get met in some other way. Now, you're talking about primary attachment styles and especially to people that are important to us. Tell us more about the primary attachment styles. So uh, most people have probably heard uh, of attachment theory, um, at least to some degree, um, it, it gets a lot of press today and, and um, is a pretty, a pretty popular theory in, in human development. And it, what attachment theory does and what it helps us understand is how to, to healthfully meet those two primary needs of mattering and safety. How to, how to help meet them for ourselves or for other people or both? Yes. <laughs> okay, both. both. Right? Because in... In those important relationships in our lives, and there, the, the research shows that there there are there are three relationships that can really function um, as a as a secure base, which is the primary tenet of attachment theory. But as as our primary attachment relationships, and and those are our parent, spouse, or or partner, and and God, and those are the only three relationships that can fully function as a as a secure base or a primary attachment relationship. Because those are the only relationships where we get to be number one, right? And in in uh, with 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 my spouse, I I get to be number one there, and she gets to be number one with me. And but if I try to be number one in um, in my relationship with with my brother or with a good friend, 
um, if I'm trying to get my primary attachment needs met from, from those relationships, there will be many times when, when I won't, I won't be number one and I won't be able to have the access to and the sensitivity from those relationships that are, that are necessary in order to, to help me consistently feel like I, I matter and that I'm safe in those relationships. I've got to pause for just a second. Adam, can't, is this happening to you? I've heard this before and I'm still, as I hear it, I'm still relating it to me and thinking through relationships that, oh my goodness, that explains it. Don't you imagine our listeners are having that experience? Where they're relating yeah. it right away. <clears throat> I, I, I obviously, I first thing that came to my mind was, you know, me growing up with my family. Obviously, I was married at the time, and I had my spouse. But having the security and the love with my parents and my sister at the time. Um, and then having all this stuff that happened and then have them believe Lori. And then I just went from, you know, having all this security and love to the, like it, there was no, there, it just went from one thing to another. There was no time to, to feel or think about how to, how to deal with all that. And as I brought that up and talked about in our podcast, I saw that other people well, were talking about in their lives, they also had that same kind of bond or relationship with their family and um, being cut off or not having that security or love anymore. Um, in even in a in a relationship, that can cause a lot of problems uh, when you don't feel secure and love. So all the things you're saying resonate with me totally. Absolutely, I and I I mentioned secure base. Uh, secure base is uh, is a, a feeling. It, of, of love and support. Um, a secure base is defined as a safe haven to go to when we're in need. And a, it's, a, it's also a solid foundation to launch from. And, um, and when we have that, Adam, like you were referencing, when we have that and we feel that, it provides a lot of security and it, and it, and it meets those needs. It helps us feel like we do matter and that we are safe in, in those relationships and with those people. And when that gets when that gets pulled out from under us, when that tether gets, gets cut, it, it leaves us, um, flailing and trying to figure out how to get those needs met. And the two things that are necessary to establish and maintain a secure base are availability and sensitivity. When I'm in need, when I get disorganized emotionally, do I have access to you as my attachment figure and as my secure base? And when I'm in need, not only do I have access to you, but also do you respond sensitively to me? And, and when there's a pattern, uh, a, a high pattern of availability and sensitivity during our times of need, then a secure base is established and maintained and we're able to, um, we're able to feel like we matter. We're able to feel like we're of worth. And we're able to feel like we can, we, we have a place of love and belonging. We have a place where we can feel safe and, um, and secure. I, I'm just envisioning all over the world where people are and are listening, they're saying, I am going to get this book. <laughs> and we're only 10 minutes into it. There, of course, a half hour won't be enough. Um, so they, they need to do that. But one of the questions that came up to me, and I'm, I'm pretty sure is going to come up to our listeners right away. And sorry, I know you have more to just build the foundation. No. But, but right away, the question comes up when you mentioned that there are three primary um, 
how do you call them? Foundations? Well, attachment relationships. Attachment relationships. There are people listening that don't have spouses, that don't have Healthy relationships parents, with their parents, yeah. Right. And some people don't believe in God. Right. How, what do we do when, we, when we're in that, that situation? It's such a good question. Um, because if, if we're not proactively managing that, then, then our brains have to manage that on their own, right? And that's why it's so important to understand attachment, attachment that's theory. That's why we're messed up. Right. <laughs> it's, right. It's so important to understand attachment theory and, and how relationships healthfully function. Because if we understand that, then you can, in that scenario, which a lot of people find themselves in that situation where, where they don't have a safe or a healthy relationship to get those needs met, and, and if you know and you understand that, you understand what's going on, then you can use kind of a smorgasbord approach and, and you can have a buddy that, that you spin with or that you spend time with, uh, you go to lunch with, and you can have a sibling that you do things with and, um, and you can get your attachment needs met to a degree from various relationships wh- where you really end up getting in trouble is when you try to, to get your the majority of your attachment needs met from a relationship that cannot healthfully provide that. So give us an example. Well, a, a great example is my, my, my brother. My brother lives here in town with us. Um, great, great friend, good, close relationship. Uh, we spend lots of time together. Our families you know, do fam- Sunday dinner every week. He and I bike a, a, a lot together. Um, very important relationship in my life. But... If I'm trying to get my attachment needs met from my brother and and I'm and I eventually I'm gonna end up in a situation where where I'm in need and either his wife or his kids are in need at the same time, right? And when my attachment needs come up to bat against against his wife or his children's attachment needs, I'm gonna lose lose that battle appropriately, right? Mm-hmm. I shouldn't come before them. And, and if I'm trying to get my needs met from that relationship in those moments across time, I'm going to feel like I'm not that important. I'm going to feel like, like I'm, you know, second, third, fifth, seventh place. Because you are. Because I am appropriately, right? But if you take that same scenario and what happens when my attachment needs come up to bat against, say, my wife's sister's needs, I get to win that battle, Right. I get to be number one in that relationship, healthfully. That doesn't mean, again, that that her relationship with her sisters, are, you know, aren't important relationships, or that or that my brother doesn't love me, or I don't love him. It's it's about what a relationship can healthfully be, and what and the kind of pressure that we apply to a rela- relationship to get those needs met. So is our brain keeping score, like you said? Good, I get to win this one. Score, one yes, for me. Yes. Our, so attachment style, actually, the research shows that attachment style gets wired by age three. Wow. And um, attachment style is a belief system. It's a rule book that gets created um, as a result of our interactions with our attachment figures during those first three years of life. And... I mean, just for those of you that are listening, stop for a second and think what your earliest memory is. And most people's earliest memory is somewhere around three or four. Very few of us have any, any conscious memory prior to that. And so 
before we even have any conscious memory, this rule book about us mattering, do I expect to matter in the important relationships in my life? Do I expect people to be sensitive and available to me? That gets wired into our brains before we even have any conscious memory. And so we end up going through our lives um, following this rule book and few of us ever even question the validity of the, of the rule book. And so then we engage in relationships in ways that continue to get us what we expect out of them. Adam. I got a question, so I'm putting my finger <laughs> oh, up. Oh, sorry. I was, look, I was looking <laughs> the wrong like way, Adam. Sorry. That's all right. We're at a group, we're at a group right. session. Uh, by the way, uh, your name is incredible. Uh, I feel like you're like a soap opera star. That's a, definitely a soap opera star's name. <laughs> Denim Slade. You know, it's awesome. Well, maybe maybe um, I, that can be my next career. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I want to go back to something you said earlier um, when we were talking about um, relationships. And you said being available and sensitive. Um, can you elaborate a little bit of that? Cause when my mind, when you're saying that is like, am I available for the people that need me in my life? Does that mean, do I, if I'm on a phone call and somebody's calling me, do I hang up to take their phone call? Do I, uh, am being sensitive? What, how does somebody who's, I mean, I, luckily I am a sensitive person, but I know people who don't have sensitive qualities. How do they develop that or how do they become sensitive to, to those kinds of things? Such, such a good question. Um, and, and I'll, I'll answer it in a couple of different ways and kind of back to the book. So my, my book is actually on personality. Um, and there, there's a long debate in the, in the field of human development and psychology of, of what plays the, the greater role. Does nurture or, or nature play the greater role in our development? And, um, and these two things that we're talking about a little bit, we haven't talked a whole lot about personality or temperament, but temperament, research has shown for decades that um, temperament doesn't change, that we come into life with, with a temperament and that that is not changeable. And, and that, that really is the nature part of us. And then attachment and, um, and what happens in our moments of need and, and our belief systems that get created around our, um, our, our perceptions of ourselves is really the, the most important nature part. And so you've got this dynamic interplay between nature and nurture. And so when, when my kids are in need, um, if I'm on, on a phone call or if I'm on my phone or I'm watching the game or I'm doing something else and they're trying to figure out how to get access to me, you know, do I, do I throw myself on the floor and cry? Do I, do I hit my sibling? Do I, do I break something? You know, what, what do I have to do to get access to you? And, and again, most of that happens very subconsciously. Um, but when we, when we make ourselves available during, during these moments of need, uh, cause it's, it's attachment is really what about what happens when we get disorganized emotionally. It's not about what happens day in and day out in a relationship. There are other dynamics that research has identified are really important to help us feel like we matter and that we're safe day in and day out in the daily routine of relationships. Attachment is really about what happens when we become disorganized emotionally. I'm hurt. I'm scared. I'm embarrassed. I'm super happy. I had a really cool experience that I want to share. You know, the, these vulnerable moments in our lives 
That's what attachment is about. Those are attachment moments. And how do our attachment figures respond during those moments? And so that's why, you know, Adam, back to your, to your question or your point, it's so important that we understand this so that we, we, we make ourselves available during these moments of need to the people for whom we are attachment figures, right? For, for our partners, our spouses and our children, um, are we providing the secure base so that they can get healthy wiring in their lives? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I appreciate that. Um, it's, it's great to have you on. Hopefully we, uh, we're not going to get a bill for this. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you are, I've already paid for this part of the explanation. Right. <laughs> What's well, your email, Adam? <laughs> yeah. But I am glad that we're, and I told Rex when he said he was going to have us like, I would just love to be a fly on the wall to listen just to like we're doing now, eavesdropping in and listening and learning. I love I'm like a sponge. I love to learn new things, especially about your own personality, your own life, how you can help other people. Those things all are interesting to me. Me too. And we haven't <laughs> even gotten into the core temperaments yet. Let's let's jump into that from wanna, where we are. Is that too far of a jump? Or are we, uh, um, are no, we there? I mean, okay. I, I we can talk about that for a minute. So um so core temperament, core, core is the name of my book. It's the name of the, my model that I, that I created. I, I've always been really interested in, in personality and, and what makes us tick. It's one of the reasons why I, I do what I do. Um, but across the years, I had never found a model that was really uh, indicative or representative of the people that I was working with, or they were so um, complicated that they weren't very f- user-friendly for certain, <laughs> for certain temperament types, right. <laughs> fit really well for certain temperaments. And so almost 11 years ago now, I, you know, I have a PhD, um, so I know how to do research. And so about 11 years ago, I decided to start collecting data of my own. And um, I spent about three years collecting data and about a year and a half analyzing that data. And then because of my temperament, it took me, <laughs> it took me another like seven years before I was able to get it published. We understand uh, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but what, what is unique about, um, about my model is that it, it doesn't just get at personality, it gets at temperament and temperament is that part of us that doesn't change. It's the, it's the underlying reasons why we do what we do. Um, just as, as an example, um, ease and Rex is an E, um, ease, ease or E stands for exactness and excellence and ease are motivated by improving things. The E brain naturally looks at things and sees how to make it better. It doesn't matter if it's how to load the dishwasher or how to, um, you know, how to, how to organize the closet or how to drive from point A to point B. When the e-brain is looking at something, when the e-brain is working, it's thinking about how to make something better. It wants to find the best way and then to replicate that. And so this, the, the underlying, and, and um, O's, for example, O stands for optimism. And O's are motivated by having fun. They want enjoyable emotions and um, they want themselves and everybody else to be having a good time. And so O's live in the present, uh, they're the most people-oriented of the temperament types, and so they live in the present. But they just moved to Phoenix. Is Adam an O? Hey, how do you know that, Adam? You better, you, be, you better take I my do, assessment. I mean, I feel like an O right now. As you're going through this, I'm like, I'm definitely. I think I'm definitely an O. Yeah, and so you get this dynamic interplay between our temperaments, 
and then our attachment style that determines how we show up in relationships. Um, and we're, we're talking a lot about, you know, the need to be a secure base, but it's also really, really important that we give people an opportunity to be there for us. Um, and you and I talked a little bit about that the other day and how important it is when, when I'm willing to lean on you, when I'm willing to let you in, when I'm struggling, it sends a very strong message to you about how important you are to me. And so when this is going well in a relationship, when both people are vulnerably turning toward one another and then responding with sensitivity and availability during those moments, it really feeds those core needs for both of us. Where, where we both feel like we matter, where we both have a place where we, we get to be vulnerable, we get to be real, and, and we can expect somebody to show up for us and also to be sensitive to us during those moments of need. So fascinating. Could you give us a, just a real brief on the C's and R's? Sure. Because yeah. some people are feeling left out. Right. So you're, <laughs> you're saying, I'm not an O or an E. <laughs> C's frequently feel left out. So C's, C, C stands for com- comfort and connection. Um, and C's are, uh, they're motivated by comfort, comfortable clothes, comfortable furniture, comfortable, comfortable emotions. They want themselves and everybody else to be, to be comfortable. And um, sees, you know, some people can can hear things that other people can't hear or smell things that other people can't smell. Sees have almost a sixth emotional sense where they they're plugged into the emotional environment and climate um, in ways that that the rest of us are completely unaware of. And um, and so so sees. Uh, they want to feel comfortable. They want to feel seen and um, and gotten by people, but they have a hard time with the vulnerability required, the risk required to let somebody in and and really see what's going on. Mm. Um, and then ours, our our stands for resolution, and our ours are the only temperament that lives in the future, and ours are motivated by getting things done. They're they're list makers. Um, they they are. Uh, they're the most um, intense of the temperament types, and their intensity is, is really good for propulsion. Ours live in the future, and so they're constantly looking at what's, where they're going, and everything between here and there can just be kind of noise that, um, that gets blown through as the R is working toward their objective. Um, and so their, their, their intensity is, is quick. It's like a, it's like a firecracker. It, it burns up and out really quickly, but they're really good at creating movement and, and, uh, and results. Wow. Yeah. I have a, fr- I have a friend that's an R for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, let me say one more thing about the R too, that I think is really important. That's kind of a unique, um, contribution of, of this model. Uh, the result ours, ours are motivated to get things done, um, re- resolve things, but it's not, but an R doesn't do thing, do something and, and then like have a great deal of satisfaction. Like, Oh, look at this thing that I made or, or look at this thing that I accomplished when something comes on to the, to the radar of an R and, um, and they, they, they become aware that something isn't done, lost remote, lost TV remote or lost keys. It creates emotional distress for the R and they immediately want to resolve that. And by finding the keys or the lost remote, it resolves that emotional distress that they were under. And that's what drives um, the R brain. 
Let me ask one more question about the arts because I have a really close friend and you're described, but are they really creative? Do they create, can they see something and then create it and do that mm, or, or not? Not necessarily not. ours. Oh, he may not be an artist. Yeah, ours, <laughs> ours typically aren't very detail oriented. Um, okay. they, details become hassle that get in the way of getting things done. Um, C's, um, O's can both be pretty creative. Um, the kind of big picture kind of, um, kind of people in general. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about personalities cause there's probably, th- you know, thousands of people that are going to watch this, hear this and you know, everybody's, everybody's different with their personalities. And, and I, I love to learn about personalities and how to be around people and how to, um, like interject with different personalities. So I think is, if this is in your book, I'm definitely going to get it and read it. Yeah, it, it is. And I, I also, you know, as, as it relates to, to your podcast and, um, and this case, you know, I, I think it's kind of fascinating and, and I would just encourage you guys to, uh, you that are listening to kind of think about how, how these core needs of, of wanting to feel valued and, and wanting to matter um, and, and wanting to, to feel safe someplace may have played out in, in some of the motives that, um, that led to some of the horrific things that, that transpired here. You know, I think we haven't even gotten there yet. Of course, we're almost out of time, and people are going to be saying, Adam, see, I told you you need longer podcasts, and we definitely need to hear more from Dr. Dan. My battery may die. My my, my, my battery may die, and I might knock out a second, so who knows? In fact, you are cutting out a little you bit are, right yeah. now. <laughs> so then yeah, we'll have to have on. you on again to talk more about this, how it relates to the characters and the and – the, um, that we're concerned with that caused the, that are murdered these victims, uh, Chad and Lori and Alex. But I think all of us are caught up right away in how it relates to us. So that's where we need to let it process first, and then Percolate, we're going to have yeah. to apply it. So we may need you on again to apply it there. And uh, we're we're grateful that Dr. Denham took this time today, and we had to fit it in. Yes, we could extend the podcast, but he has a life, too, and <laughs> has a schedule it needs to fit into. So join us for the live tomorrow around 1 o'clock Mountain Time, and stay tuned. We'll talk with Dr. Denham about uh, maybe getting him back on again. This has been Tylee and JJ's Silver Linings Podcast. Your input is helping us make sense of this. We encourage your comments on our Facebook page or email Tylee and JJ Silver Linings at gmail.com. This has been a production from a podcast studio.